my gosh, folks. Welcome, 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 welcome to In the Company of Trees. This is our first interview that we are going to be airing on the podcast. I'm so excited about this one. I got to interview my friend, Tyler Gesa, whose name I mispronounced as Tyler Gaka when he read some of his uh, now out book, now out Gentle Chaos, when he read some of that book at the release of my book, Bus Love Trees, back in April. I repeatedly mispronounced his name. Um, the depths of my humiliation cannot be overstated, but uh, we are way past that. And it was so wonderful to talk to him today about the natural themes in Gentle Chaos. It's a beautiful book. I really recommend that you buy it. It is on shelves now. Buy it, buy it, buy it. Um, the depths of feeling in his book, the the idea of putting <laughs> the idea of putting luna moths in the freezer um the writing process of course themes of spookiness you know memories of nature and how they are they are so powerful in their imagery um also ritual and religion and him growing up catholic me growing up jewish and what we take from that um also tyler's transition from being a comedic tiktok man to now being an author who tries to convey complex emotions and how the paths of our lives are what we never could have predicted them to be. Um, and it, it was so lovely to spend some time with him today. Uh, do by gentle chaos it is out right now. Um, I'm really excited because tonight I get to go see Tyler, um, and have him sign his book in person. Uh, congratulations to that beautiful man. And here's me and him. Check it out. I'm so happy you're an autumn person. doesn't surprise me, but mm. I'm so happy you're an autumn person. <laughs> I'm so happy. And we can talk about all of these things and just how they relate to you in the moment. But again, none of this matters. We can also just bullshit around and you can just like cry for 55 minutes if you need to do that too <laughs> into the microphone. Cool. Great. Awesome. Okay. Are you ready for the, the formal intro? I'm ready. Okay. Stretch. <clears throat> Tyler Gesa. You're a beloved personality of the internet, where you go by at Ghost Honey. You've combined fantasy and comedy and queerness into an amazing presence, and you are my dear friend. And now you have a wonderful book, and your wonderful book is called Gentle Chaos, Poems, Tales, and Magic by Tyler Gesa, a.k.a. Ghost Honey. Do you know if you're the first person to put an a.k.a. on the front of a book? I... Don't know. <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> I'm like, it's the right move. It's the right move. Why didn't I do that for my book? AKA Jews Love Trees. But yeah, I was I was so I was so moved and honored that you were able to share some of Gentle Chaos uh, back in April at the launch of my book, Must Love Trees. See, I got a little plug in there. And it was beautiful. And everybody was bewitched, uh, bothered, not so much, but very bewildered. Mm, thank you. And I guess I just have one question for you, which is Luna moths or old photographs. You can only keep one. Which do you keep? That's hard. Yeah. Like Luna moths, like a personal collection or like, are we erasing them from existence? Erasing them from existence. Oh, wow. What would that do what to would ecosystems? It? Don't worry about know. that. That's not what I want you to worry okay. about. Think about your feelings. <laughs> Don't worry about it. This is not a podcast for super ego. It's a podcast about feelings. <laughs> maybe, maybe antique photographs. <gasps> Goodbye, <gasps> antique photographs. That's great. Oh, no, maybe I would keep antique photographs. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, just because I've always been so obsessed with collecting them and they make me feel so many emotions. And I like to sit on the floor and imagine what their lives would be. Yeah. And Luna moths, they don't live very long. Oh. They're born without mouths. Are they really? And then they kind of like wither away and like bump into stuff until they deteriorate and die. Oh my gosh, you just lifted like a huge burden off my shoulders because when I was maybe 10 or 11, I went through a huge butterfly phase. Mm-hmm. And in my butterfly phase, like right smack dab in it, I walked out one day into our backyard and on our walnut tree, there was a luna moth that looked like it was like freaking out on mm-hmm. our walnut tree. And of course, being like the the young men with destructive impulses that I was, I was like, I need to possess, need to possess, need to have. Mm-hmm. So I like walked up to it and it was like freaking out, freaking out, freaking out. And eventually like I got it within my grasp, tried to be as gentle as I as I possibly could without taking off all of the scales. But of course it died a few hours later. And of course I named her Luna, very remarkable, unique mm-hmm. name. But are you telling me that maybe Luna was in the throes of death already? Oh, without a doubt, possibly. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. you've absolved me um, of a considerable amount of guilt. Yeah, my husband Jahao wanted to like breed them and raise them for a little bit. And it was really sad. I don't, I don't want to do that again. <laughs> no, it, it's sometimes when you're doing something and you're you have this big idea, like, uh, oh man, I, I'd really like to like, I'd really like to have a, a big cool ant farm. Sometimes you'll mm-hmm. have the moment of like looking at yourself objectively when you're like buying a single ant. And you're like, oh, this one moment is pretty pathetic. Oh no, is it just going to be a string of these pathetic moments? Yeah, yeah. They hatch and you're like, oh my God, it's so beautiful. And then it immediately just starts like bumping into stuff and falling apart. Oh and then gosh, but the they're so beautiful. Like, yeah, you can either like let it die or put it in the freezer. You can put and a moth in the freezer? Oh, just like... to kill it. Yeah. Oh, is that like considered humane? <laughs> I guess but it's like the more humane way. I guess this begs the question down. or res- raises the question, how many moths have you put in the freezer, Tyler? Personally, yeah. none. Oh, okay. My husband. Oh, Jihad does. A few. <laughs> but then after like the first round, I was like, we, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't have moths in my freezer. And it was making me too emotional. Okay. I understand. Instantly canceled by the moth community. <laughs> <laughs> the moth com- moth com? Uh Canceled oh, by the no. moth community. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's talk a little bit more about Gentle Chaos just because it's, it's really exciting. I hope you're excited. I know you're full of all of the things. Your head is mm-hmm. melting. Your heart is melting. Yeah. Releasing a book. Having seen uh, and and borne witness to and, and somewhat participated in two births myself at this point, I wouldn't say it's exactly like birthing a child, but mm-hmm. it is it is a lot like, uh, I don't know. I, I suppose it's the most anxi- anxiety-inducing activity outside of that. So it's a close <laughs> second. And... This book is amazing because it's filled with beautiful photographs that you've that you that that appear un unadulterated because in the one segment you're talking about how the film burnt and they ended up actually or the film was exposed and it ended up being some of the most beautiful uh, photography you've ever taken and a number of those photographs appear in here which I which I love and it's full of it's full of beautiful poetry and it's also just really 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 funny like like a like a like a david sedaris line will drop in the middle of like you'll oh, be breaking you. 
You'll be breaking <laughs> down as a 10-year-old. And then you'll yeah. say a line like, oh, wait, what line did I write down? I wrote, here it is. Uh, <laughs> How many suitors is too many suitors? Trick question. Numbers are for scholars. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I guess what I want to what I want to talk about most with the book is I want to, I want to talk about first when you were a kid, what the kind of naturalistic influences you had then were. You mentioned your mom worked at an animal rehabilitation center. So what was the presence of, of, of wildness in your household? And, and what was it like to be a young kid with so many emotions? How did you find solace in, in creatures and, and nature? Yeah. I mean, I was such an emotionally distraught child. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, my mom used to volunteer at a wild animal sanctuary. And our house was always filled with animals, like finches, parrots, rabbits, multiple cats and dogs. And I would go with her to the center sometimes and watch her feed the animals. And she was always a huge advocate for keeping us outside. We used to do like a ton of camping trips and hikes and things like that, which had a huge influence on me. And a lot of weird activities, she'd be like, okay, let's dissect owl pellets. Oh, so yeah. I would, like I was really into like dissecting owl pellets and mm -hmm. like taking out all the little bones and everything. Yeah. So You know, you can put them in the freezer and they'll stay for a while. Just <laughs> keep them fresh. Yeah. Yeah. So that definitely had a huge impact on me. And I definitely found like solace in mm -hmm. nature. And were the kind of, I mean, you have a really complicated relationship with death and it's cool to chart what that's been thus far from when you were a young man and it was really only fear when you were very young and it was really only fear mm -hmm. to now you're able to combine death and beauty in a lot of ways. Do you, do you remember what some of your early ex earliest experiences with death were? Do you remember what some of your earliest experiences knowing how that it was all going to end were? Yeah, and I think in the book, it might be my very first experience was I was watching a movie about dinosaurs. Oh, yeah. Right. And there's a little page called There Are No More Dinosaurs. Right. And I just remember, um, I think I was like eight or nine years old and watching dinosaurs like um, migrate during a drought. And then like the mama dinosaur just like collapsed in exhaustion and died. And the baby was completely without dignity, rendered without dignity, just collapsed. Yeah. And I just remember like breaking down and being like, oh my God, am I going to collapse and die one day too? Mm -hmm. And then, so that was my <laughs> first panic attack about death. <laughs> uh, goddamn CGI yeah. <laughs> leading us to realizations of better mortality. Yeah, I understand. I'm trying to remember, like, I, I wish I knew. I wish I could put my finger on the first time I, I realized that like death was something that was a part of all our lives. And I have a I have a two and a half year old now. She's almost three. And I can tell, I can tell she's almost putting the pieces together. And she's she'll say things like, Oh, it died. And to her, I think that simply means it was no more. It uh right. it, it exited. You know? It's without a sense of what the actual it's out without a sense of mortality. I'm very frightened for the day where she kind of looks at something and like makes the connection between that dead thing and herself. It's going to be a scary day. Um, the other day. You'll do great. <laughs> You'll do a great job. Thanks. I'm full of um, emotions too these days. Navigating um, them through that. Uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what actually happens. Um, 
You know what image really struck me from the book? It was an image where you were talking about yourself um, in preschool as, I'm obviously paraphrasing here, but one of those kids who would cry from the moment their mom left and not stop crying until the moment. Do you, is the image that you use white tennis shoes? Is that the image that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have and, like very, very vivid memories of just like being dropped off, sitting down on the floor and crying, and yep. then like staring at the door and waiting to see my mom's tennis shoes like walk through the door frame to come pick me up. Oh my God, yeah. It's, I think one of the things that I like best about Gentle Cast is like you don't, you don't rely on trying to, seduce people with imagery you you know that mundane and commonplace and everyday imagery is going to be that much stronger because it's that much more relatable like oh thank you in some of the texts it's just you'll just list things that aren't particularly remarkable but they help form a realer sense of place than any kind of purposefully eloquent description might What's the one? I wrote it down. It's really beautiful. Oh, yeah. Cigarette smoke, hot oil, french fries in, in Shirley Temple. When you're asking <laughs> Shirley Temple. I don't know. Do you find that? Do you find that just simple images are like just a lot more powerful than words sometimes if you just let, let the reader do the work for you? Well, first of all, thank you. That's so kind. Sure. Um, and yeah i think so i think i can be like a very wordy person too so a lot of the times when i'm writing after like the first draft i go through and i just try to like what's the strongest and simplest way i can convey this mm -hmm. but yeah I, I try to like bounce back and forth between the two yeah and i think you you did a great job of that too in your book don't this isn't about me don't you do that <laughs> thank you thank you so much but don't you dare try to do that i see what you're doing i see what you're doing is there were how many minutes into this podcast? 20, <laughs> 21, and you're already uncomfortable with the amount of attention that I'm putting on it. I'm not going to let you do I'm just that. Trying to plug for you. Yeah, right. I'll let you know when I need you to plug for me. I didn't do that. Um, just give me a signal. Yeah, I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna throw some terms at you, and okay. I want you to I want you to tell me how they make you feel and what okay. they make you think about, and just really anything that you want to tell tell me about them. Okay, the first one is. And I'm biased for this one, obviously. The first one is oak tree. Oak tree. Growing up. It was giant. Um, like, my family of five could connect our arms and still not wrap all the way around it. Cool. And right before we moved, there was a huge hurricane that came through and lightning struck the tree. And a giant branch crashed down and like the tip of it was like touching our front door oh my like God. it almost punctured our house yeah and i had my dad take a chainsaw to it and i don't know if you can see it behind me right here but it's like mounted on my wall the chainsaw just like this sliver of the tree <laughs> oh the part of the tree not the chainsaw oh, okay yeah. um but i've carried it with me to like six different apartments now oh wow and it's from my childhood home this, oh i like, love that i'll send you a picture of it later yes please but... Can you tell me more about some of the different relics that you have, like some of the different naturalistic relics? I feel like you have a lot that I can I probably see right now. I have such a like magpie-like tendency to yeah. collect and preserve. I because, have like a collection yeah. of antique butterflies underneath the sliver of tree. Oh my um, gosh. Some of them are like over 100 years old. They're all my mom's. Like she 
used uh-huh. to collect them and my grandmother my grandmother had a propensity for collecting collecting butterflies and my my mom who is in town right now always claims that her her mother who i didn't get to know very well she died when i was four uh changed into a changed into a monarch butterfly when she died mm. so every time there's a monarch butterfly in my my backyard i think it's my nana which i think is quite lovely because i never got to know her That's very beautiful. well so yeah I w- and i tried to explain this to lucy my daughter yesterday and she was just when sometimes when you explain stuff like that to a kid you're worried if they'll understand it and they're just like oh of course yeah hi nana hi great-grandmother and i was like oh wow you mm-hmm. don't have the layers of garbage on top of it that that so many of us do yeah and sometimes it's very literal for them they're like yeah butterflies are grandma <laughs> yeah then you run into <laughs> trouble then i have to explain things like chromosomes and alleles to her and she's like oh no yeah um, and then here. she hears this podcast episode and they're like, why does Tyler put grandma in the freezer? <laughs> daddy, daddy, do you always talk so sad to sad men? Is is life? <laughs> <laughs> is that what getting older is being sad? Here, tell me, show me more. I want, I want to know more about the, the objects you've imbued with, with emotional power because of their history. I love this. I also have, uh, you can see under my TV, a collection of seashells and things from thrift stores that I don't even know fully what they are. I also have like a collection of antique teacups, mm-hmm. lots of animal bones, deer skulls, cow skulls. Cow skulls? Do you have a cow skull? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. She's sitting outside right now. And it's a she? On the table. Wow. I guess Sunbathing. But... Okay. It's nice to get a little bleach on that. Yeah. That's nice. I uh, I recently, I was a big fan of fossils and shark teeth when I was a kid. Um, mm. Sorry, I still am. It's like my favorite thing in the world. Uh, other than trees. But I I recently removed the a set of shark jaws that I got when I was on vacation in Mexico with my dad, even though they're a nice, beautiful set of, of shark jaws from my house, because I thought that would bring up too many questions of my daughter. I've mentioned my daughter a hundred times. As you can see, it, this podcast is also for working through my anxiety. I apologize. Um, oh. But they're like in my garage, just kind of looking at me like, okay, are you going to like give me away? Or are they, or am I going to stay here? Like, what do I mean yeah. to you? What do I signal to you about who you are? Um, yeah. I love to just like every surface in my home becomes like a strange altar of some sort Mm -hmm. where i'm like i don't know what you're trying to summon or worship but there's a lot of (laughs) knickknacks and bones and seashells just scattered about i would hope so Ooh. okay we're gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna throw another couple of things at you the moon love her she's great the best yeah she's nice so powerful and big yeah what does she feel like to you I feel like I grew up Catholic. Oh, wow. And then kind of, I went through the whole thing, like church school, confirmation and everything, mm-hmm. and then kind of, not like discarded it, but like decided it wasn't maybe for me. Sure. And things like nature and the moon are what make me feel the most like spiritual and religious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's finding, like, I feel the same way. I don't want to, like, jump on you for the 18th time. But finding those spaces in which you feel like you're not performing, in which you feel, like, authentic mm-hmm. are, are so are so lovely. Obviously, mine's, like, in the forest amongst big trees. You know, that does it for mm-hmm. me. But 
nighttime seems like it's your time of day. I think daytime is my time of day. Um, oh yeah, I'm such a goblin at night. How do you I mean? Come alive? You, what is that? Oh well, how do you come alive? What do you, what do you feel more of? What do you think more about? I just love the dark and the quiet and how spooky and magical things feel. And I just wanna. That's when I feel the most creative. And that's when like all of my ideas come to me. And I'm running around the house, touching my seashells and bones, writing weird things down, connecting with things, moon. rolling them in your fingers. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Yes. No, but for sure. It's like, I think it's so interesting that you mentioned you were Catholic and, you know, I'm, I'm Jewish and it's, it's like, however much we choose to engage with the institutional aspect of those religions, the, the, the ritualistic aspect of it is kind of given to us in our childhood. And I think we kind of mm -hmm. take that. It makes so much sense to see that you love the idea of, of magic and the idea of you know things that things that require ritual and objects you can imbue with power and it's like even though we might have our our problems and our qualms with the institutions and the dogmas i'm still thankful for what i was given in terms of being able to appreciate how objects can make you feel and bring up memories and connect to the past and yeah you know Absolutely. It's like a, a set of tools yeah, that you yeah. can take and apply in a way that best benefits you. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, okay, one more. Okay. The Man of Mist. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I wrote that in my, that like poem in my book when I took a few days to go to Lake Arrowhead. Yeah. Um, I love Lake Arrowhead. It's right over near like Idlewild. It's like about a mile high and it's just like, boom, you're in, you're on a mountain. Yeah. It was my first time going there. I really loved it. And I went by myself and spent just like four days in a cabin to work on this book. And I did a lot of the writing mm -hmm. while I was there, but yeah, it was just so foggy and misty and the trees are so tall and spooky. Yeah. And yeah. it kind of inspired this original ghost story where there's like no real plot. It's just kind of about a, a ghostly man walking across a bridge and turning into mist. Um, Great. I love him. But I, I love him too. <laughs> <laughs> I love the man of mist because he's a good ghost. Um, yeah. My mom, is a, my mom is a nurse and she told me, she was like, she, she has like a beach house that she likes to hang out in the summer because she's like a, a single 71-year-old lady who's just like, I like to go dancing at the spindrift uh, at the beach house. And, you know, and I'm like, very cool. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And she was like, and the, and the other night on the beach, we were all sitting around a fire telling ghost stories. And I was like, Jesus Christ, you have the most awesome life in the world. Yeah. <laughs> You're on a beach telling ghost stories? And she's like, and it got to me. And of course, I told the story about the, the ghost in room 882. And I was like, what? And she's like, you know, the ghost in 82. I was like, you've never told me the story. I have no idea what you're talking about. And she's like, well, when I was a nurse, she was a nurse for like 40, 50 years, there was a ghost in room 882 in the hospital. And I was like, that's the creepiest fucking thing I've heard of my whole life, mom. What are you talking about? She was like, yeah. The story was there that only patients would see this 
this person who was a man in a white lab coat, might have been a doctor, and they would say, it was so nice that that doctor popped by to say hi. And we would say, we didn't send anybody in there to get to do anything. And she was like, oh, and I was like, so he was a nice ghost? And she was like, yeah, he, was all, he would like save patients' lives. And one time, apparently, everybody was in one of the patient's rooms, like some nurses, some doctors kind of having a conference with the patient about discussing pass forward. And somebody makes a suggestion and another doctor's like, that's, that's actually brilliant. Let's do that. Um, and everybody leaves and later on they're like, oh, by the way, who was that intern who made that suggestion? And everybody's like, there is no intern. What are you talking about? Ooh. And so just this ghost would pop in into 882 and be like, the, I, I mean, I kind of wanted to stay in room 882. I feel like you have pretty good medical care in that room. Yeah. Ooh, that's spooky. That's definitely like, I don't know how familiar you are with like different types of hauntings and Tell ghosts. Me. So there's different kinds. There's like intelligent hauntings and then residual hauntings. Wow. So that sounds like an intelligent haunting because he's like interacting and he's present in the moment. Okay. Whereas like the man of mist in my book is a residual haunting, which is this idea that we as humans like put energy into the world and just by doing like simple tasks and living our lives like walking across the same bridge every day can kind of imprint your energy onto it so it's not like an actually a ghost that's like present in the moment it's more just like a memory imprinted into the land oh my gosh so what so residual versus residual versus intelligent hauntings who like who came up with that distinction where does that extinction that distinction come from So like, for example, I was reading this book about hauntings Mm -hmm. and there was this, these paranormal investigators that were called to a house because these children were terrified because every night they would look into the hallway and see a person with their torso on the floor, like walking down the hall, like the floor was cutting them through their torso. And so people were like, well, that's horrifying. Yeah, that's pretty tough. It's pretty tough. It's pretty tough stuff for everybody. That's a tough hang. Yeah. So they called in paranormal investigators and they were doing some research on the house and they found the original blueprints and they found out that it burnt down like a hundred years ago and they built it up three feet taller. No, don't tell me this. So they were just seeing somebody walking down the hallway, but because the house was built taller, (laughs) the floor was now cutting them through the torso. So So that's like a residual haunting. It's just like... It's also like an incredible practical joke. Yeah. (laughs) I I hope to... Make my children scream as such sometime in my life. Wow. Okay. So that's, wait, that's a residual haunting. So an intelligent haunting is like purposeful, essentially. They're like aware. They're aware. Okay. So it, it's some sort of spirit in kind of in like in a purgatorial sense, stuck between in like a liminal zone kind of thing. I guess so. Yeah. They're, they're like the doctor guy coming in and being like, how's it going? Wow. Do you need anything? Wow. Can I save your life? Oh my God. An interactive. Yeah. I mean, just like intelligent, I guess is all it is. It's just really like, (laughs) so incredibly good fooling people. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Tell me about, oh, actually that's all my, that's all my, that's all my terms I'm going to throw at you. Uh, and now I want to talk about, uh, I want to talk about your development 
as an artist and when you started making um, TikTok videos and how that was kind of an, an offshoot, how that was kind mm -hmm. of very different and new for you, a new way of working that was perhaps more experimental than anything else. Can you tell us about how, how it, how it started and how you came to be a little bit disenchanted with it as I, as I kind of understand it. Do you think that's true? Yeah. I think when I, I started making videos back in like 2018, okay. joined TikTok in 2019. It was like freshly made into TikTok from mm -hmm. Musical.ly. Mm -hmm. And I had loved watching YouTubers and I loved the idea of being like a content creator and having community and audience. And I had always had so many ideas for like performing and writing and all of these like weird little videos I wanted to make, but I was so terrified of doing it too. Like I would film myself alone in my room and I would run out of like breath. Mm -hmm. Like I would have a hard time breathing because I was so nervous. And for, like, for yourself. Stage fright. Yeah. And I kind of, it took like a year to work through it. Mm -hmm. And that's when my account really started to grow and I was whipping out videos right and left. Isn't it amazing um, how much you can produce like right at the beginning when you're super enthusiastic about something and it's new and everything's exciting? Yeah. Like, I was making like six, seven comedic skits a week oh my for God. like a year and a half. Just And also just like nothing to do during the pandemic. So it's like, this is right. what, this is how I'm going to fill my time. Right. Um, and I, well, I was also working full time at an art school. Oh, wow. Okay. College. So you're still um, in Ohio at this point. Right. Okay. Yeah. And I would go do my little desk job. I was coordinator for continuing education and professional development. How were you as a coordinator? Did you do, were you good at coordinating? <laughs> were they like, oh, you need some coordination? I know this guy, Tyler. He's going to coordinate He's going to coordinate the shit out of you. Yeah. <laughs> this program. <laughs> I was okay. I wasn't like very passionate about it, but I did a good job, I think. But then I would like go home during my lunch break and like film and edit and post a TikTok and then drive back to work. Oh, wow. And then like sneak into the bathroom to like read the comments and stuff. Wow, you work really fast. You would yeah. film? It, you would like... Would you kind of do it spontaneously? Would you, or would you write it out? And because you, a lot of that, a lot of your videos would be multiple characters, right? Multiple like self characters. Mm -hmm. Would yeah. you write it out or would you kind of improvise it? I would write it out or, yeah, I think I would write it out most of the time ahead of, but yeah, I would whip those videos out so fast. They eventually got like more and more complicated mm -hmm. as time went on. Yeah, the budgets um, went up then, to like, 80 90 dollars sometimes just yeah. like <laughs> wild um and then i got laid off during the pandemic because a lot of colleges were suffering especially art schools because it's like how do you do art online yeah you don't um, you don't well not easily no you did um, oh thank you i tried you did i got laid off the same day as my husband. We were both working at the art school. Wow. We were like getting laid off in separate rooms of the house at the same time. Oh, by wow. our departments. What an awesome first scene in a, a tragic play. I don't know. Right? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Yikes. And it was like kind of relieving because it was like, well, I didn't want to do this anyways, mm -hmm. but what am I going to do? So I was still applying to jobs at like museums and 
art schools and galleries as a coordinator and then still making these videos. And then eventually I just doubled down and kept making videos until it started to pay off a little awesome. more awesome, as a awesome. career. But yeah, yeah, after like doing it for three or four years, I think I just burned myself out. Mm -hmm. I was writing my book at the same time and mm -hmm. doing my podcast too, Yeah, which was a lot of writing. I think it's really I, difficult yeah. for long, long form and short form ideas to exist in your brain at the same time. Because mm -hmm. then each one opens up criticism of the other. Like if you're writing your book, you might be, you might have like your TikTok cap on for a second and think like, how can I, no, how can I uh, get to the point quicker when really like people are there for the description? Like when they're reading your book, they're there to settle in with you for a while. But on the other hand, it's if your book hat is on and you're you know, writing out a sketch, like maybe you become really impatient at the fact that you can't say all that you want to say or make the jokes that you mm -hmm. want to do. You have to cut a bunch of things that you really, really liked. And I feel like that kind of inner conflict as an artist is kind of unsustainable for a long period yeah. of time. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt. And I think, too, I consider myself like an artist first. Mm -hmm. And I never really considered myself like a comedian. I just was like, I'm just a f artist that happens to be funny and have weird ideas. Yeah. So when I would, for like, like you said, I'd be working on my book and I'd be, and it was so fulfilling for me because it was the first time in years where I was like, wow, I feel fully enveloped in my art mm -hmm. and my practice. Mm -hmm. And then I would like try to carry some of those ideas into my like short form content and it would flop so hard mm. and then it'd be like oh well i guess i'm oh, a the, fail the here. things that mean <laughs> but yeah really the things like, that no. mean stuff to me don't like the algorithm doesn't like or yeah. people don't like or my yeah exactly it's like then you come to resent that medium it's like oh the things right. that the things that i love you don't want but these are the things right. that i i love um I feel that way sometimes. Uh, I'm always trying to do different stuff and I get really easily discouraged if it doesn't like pick up immediately, I guess. I'm, I'm, sh I'm kind of like settling in with this podcast because I like it so much and I like, you know, getting outside myself. All I've done is talk about myself and look at myself for like three or four years now on the internet. And before that, I was like writing one man plays about myself. Like it's time to be done with the focus <laughs> on the self from my point of view. And I feel really happy when I get to talk to people like you. Uh, and I guess, ooh, I want to do a little, I want to do a little reading right now because okay. I really like, because I think this is kind of the crux of the book. I think the crux of the book is early on mm. uh, an essay that you have. Do you call them essays? Do you call them stories or essays? Which yeah, I call both. Them. Okay. I guess depending how scholarly you're feeling. Oh, well, in this uh, declaration of uh, personal feeling and empathy. Uh, it's called In Love with Love. Hmm. It's called In Love with Love. And the first paragraph is, My whole life I wanted nothing more than to be in love. It was as monumental to me as an odyssey. It was a fantasy that at times rocked me to sleep. It was as colossal and grandiose as the constellations of heroes that battled in the sky. And in moments of longing, it kept me up at night and bore heavily down upon me in my pillow. This is... So I know this is a this is like a ten year old or like a six year old experiencing yeah. this, right? Yes, beautiful, wonderful. Uh, back to the uh, back to the essay. 
It was a fixation that motivated me and my art, even at a young age. It impacted the way I presented myself, and at times, it felt like it was driving me mad. Even in that transitional period of my youth, before I fully understood my sexuality, the desire to be loved burned so dazzlingly and painfully. And it's just, it's, it's heartrending because in some ways it's, as a, as a 36-year-old man reading that text, I'm thinking like, number one, I, 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 felt, I felt the same way. It's really moving to think about that. And number two, like, does this child know what love is here? It's just such a no, no. <laughs> and I don't want to be one of those people that's like, you don't know what love is. You, you knew what love, what love was or your idea of what love was. What, yeah. what would love have looked like to you at six years old? If it had been fulfilled, what, what would that have been like? What, what would that have looked like? Uh, I think it, to me, it was just like pure fantasy. Like it was literally the idea of like storming a castle and like running away and getting married, but it's like that's where it ends. Uh huh. Like credits roll, and I'm like, yep, that's what love is. Like you're there, there you're bound no, like, to the images that you've that you've been shown of love yeah. as love. Oh, mm -hmm. that's amazing. Um, yeah, I just love that piece so much, just because it's it's so honest. Like longing and wanting is a is a is a beautiful thing to feel, and I hope I feel it my entire life. And You've been feeling it in the past few years and in, in understanding that you need to keep evolving and developing as an artist in order to, in order, first of all, not to, not to hate yourself because that would be the worst thing in yeah. the world, <laughs> the first thing in the world, but also to like longing is so essential to, to producing something that, uh, feels, feels right and feels good and you feel proud of. And I'm just so, I'm so proud of you for making this book. Oh, thank you. Because you didn't have to, you didn't have to do this. Like, you didn't have to write a book. You didn't have to pour your heart out in word form and be earnest about it and make a beautiful book. You could have kept doing what you were doing and eventually, and like making money for it. And you could have just kept piling on the resentment year after year. Like you, that was a, that was a completely <laughs> viable option and lots and lots of people do that. You came out with a video like three or four weeks ago, which I loved, which was just like, it was you rambling like a lunatic for like, for like minutes? six minutes. For like six <laughs> minutes. But you were just, you were just like, hey, uh, I don't really know how to say this, but I'm, I'm not really going to make any funny videos anymore. And I don't really care what you guys think because I'm finding fulfillment elsewhere. Um, the door's always open. I want you to come with me. If you don't come, I respect that, but no matter what you say in the comments or elsewhere, like I'm not, I'm not really open to your criticism on this one. In some ways, you're like, this isn't really your business. <laughs> yeah, that was so dramatic of me, but <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was great. It was like the only thing over sixty seconds that I've ever wanted to watch on TikTok. I, well, I also didn't think anybody would see it, just because I haven't been making videos as consistently. They haven't been like what my audience is used to consuming and anything over like 20 seconds recently, I feel like hmm. just doesn't do well. So the fact that it has done better than most of my recent videos mm -hmm. and I received such a positive response was kind of mind boggling. I wasn't really expecting that, but also people were like, Oh, you're never going to 
tell a joke ever again? And I'm like, no, I'm still like a uh, funny person. So I still got but, jokes. Yes. Oh boy, do I. <laughs> oh, Lord, no, so. You were telling me a few of them that started with, uh, I like that chicken crossing the road joke that you told me before we started oh, recording. Thank you. Yeah, that was good. Um, and then you put the, the, it ends with the chicken in the refrigerator, which in the freezer, which is a frightening twist. It's the most humane way. Yeah. Um, um, it's not a joke, by the yeah, way. It's, I think uh, I'll, yeah. I'll always be like an entertainer and I'll always be a funny guy, but. Chill, you'll always want to put the rouge on your cheeks. As exactly. You yeah. But I, at the same time, I'm like, if I'm not invested, I simply cannot fake it anymore as you get older my own like, well-being it's just going to be a lot more of that like you have less and less and less patience for yeah with for kidding yourself mm-hmm. um you get fewer and fewer fucks um having kids really accelerated that for me mm. um but yeah you're i'm really excited to see what like the next eight or nine years look like for you are they thank you yeah. i'm really excited too and i'll always be on the internet doing weird stuff i think i well, don't think that's all ever of us gonna will go always away. be on the internet we'll unfortunately always be on the internet yeah that's <laughs> yeah that's a bummer no yeah like you'll be like you're basically like kind of being like hey you know i think we're i think we function a little bit better as friends you and i hold on i'll be, I'll be around <laughs> it's almost like you're a stepfather you're a stepfather yeah. <laughs> that's leaving but you know like i'll always be just a phone call away yeah, yeah, I'm but like, hey, those old videos are still there. If you need a chuckle, <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. I, I, uh, what What do you see? What would What would excite you about the next few years? What would you love to accomplish? You don't have to give me like specific things that you're working on, but what ways in which you, would you like to develop? What would you like to write another book? Oh yeah, I've already started my second one. It's not like sold or anything like that yet but i i just loved the the past three years have been so fulfilling and creatively challenging and i felt like making that book was a combination of everything i love as an artist Mm -hmm. it was visual art it was writing creative writing it was curating Mm -hmm. and yeah i mean it's an object you've created an, an an object that somebody can hold in the same way that you go around your apartment holding the objects in there and, and gaining something from it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that was absolutely my intention. I was like, it needs to be small. It needs to be like intimate. Mm-hmm. And so I want to keep doing things like that as long as I'm able to. I would love to write a lot of books and just writing in general, maybe for like movies or TV. Yeah. I'd love to get more into acting. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. You're going to be around for a long time. It's going to be wonderful. Thank you. It's going to be wonderful. So. Knock on wood. Oh, well, look, I know you have a, I wrote down here, recurring idea of wishing you could photosynthesize. Mm-hmm. Do you wish you could photosynthesize? Oh, yeah. Don't you? Yeah, I do. I really, really do. Yeah. I really, really wish that I didn't have to worry about the, like, first of all, it would be awesome to just walk outside and be like, okay, I'm full and not have to worry about like going to get something to eat on that level. But also I wish I could kind of transmute energy in a cool chemical way. And and I don't know. I mean, look, breathing is really neat. 
But it would be so cool to make like, your own carbohydrates. There, don't that. Yeah, I know. I was kind of sick of it. I'm struck yeah. down immediately. <laughs> so yeah, what I, I want to photosynthesize. What I want to say is, you're already photosynthesizing. You oh, are photosynthesizing, and it's exciting to see you photosynthesize further and see this this tree grow some more. So, I guess we'll end it, and I'll say that gentle chaos comes out on your birthday, right? I don't know if I'm going to be able to run this before that. I hope I can, uh, but. Also, you say that like you get the birthday blues, right? I get the birthday blues too. Mm-hmm. Was putting it out on your birthday a way to be like, okay, maybe, maybe I can be happy this year because I'm putting a book out on my birthday. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't feel the impending birthday blues like I normally do. And that was pure coincidence too. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. They oh, were crazy. like, well, it's because books always come out the first Tuesday of the month. Oh, yeah, right, um, the Tuesdays, yeah. And they were like, so we were looking at October 3rd. I was like, that's my birthday. Perfect. Yay. <laughs> what a <cool>. beautiful gift. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, it's going to be great. Uh, I will see you at the Grove. On... Oh, thank you. Wait, that's Tuesday, right? Yes. Uh, so I will see yes. you at the Grove Tuesday evening. And who are you talking with that evening? That one's just all me. <gasps> it's just going to be show. you? Oh, wow. I'm going to be tap dancing across oh. that stage. You'll be doing some juggling. The old razzle dazzle. Wow, it's just like untying a huge knot in the to applause. That's gonna be wonderful. Yeah. Well, it's gonna be really exciting. Okay, well, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. I can't wait to see you again soon. And it's gonna be a really exciting season for you. It's gonna be great. Thank you. This was so much fun. Thanks for having me. Of it was course. a pleasure to talk to you too. Can't wait to have you back. Anytime. Isn't Tyler too good for this world? I really think that he's too good for this world. He's too ethereal and sensitive and beautiful for this world. If aliens came down tomorrow and said, bring us your best and your brightest, I would immediately offer up Tyler. Not because I don't ever want to see him again. I very much do. But because I think he would do one of the best jobs in representing us as a people. Um, It was so great to have him on the show. I'm so overjoyed to have him as the first guest. And I think it's taken us off in a really wonderful direction on the right foot i suppose um okay so get ready because right now we're going to do the tree prayer which is how we end every episode of in the company of trees say it with me now in the company of trees i feel whole in the company of trees i feel home with them i am tinglier with them i am minglier i raise my cup of water and pour it at your roots so you can drink your health all the way out through your shoots May you grow your fill and help me to grow mine. Thank you, trees.